All right, so, um, can you tell me something I really didn't need to know? Hey, Mom, tell me something I didn't need to know. So how about let's learn something we really don't need to know. Hi, everyone. Hi. How is everyone today? They're great. They always are. Because they're with us. That's right. Doesn't get much better than they are. No, it sure doesn't. Welcome to Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know. Just a round of applause for you. Okay, well then Good here's job. one for you. Well, you got it right. Oh, I got it. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you. Occasionally I get shit right. Anna Green, I am so proud of you. You got it right. Yeah, well, Mary Swartz, I do it for you. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Welcome to Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know, everybody. We're so happy you're here with us. Yeah, thanks for spending part of your day with us. I hope you have as much enjoyment out of this as we do. Because I cannot believe we're in November. It's almost Thanksgiving. I know. We're in know. season three. I know. God, that's crazy. It's kind of wonderful. I know, but it's crazy. It's been a crazy ride. I'll drink to that. We always will. Speaking of drinks, we are drinking a strawberry rum spritzer. Oh my god, it's so good. It is so good. Mm. Originally, the recipe called for vodka. We substituted a strawberry rum, which I just think enhanced it. Mm, Added so fresh muddled strawberries, mm. a little bit of simple syrup, some club soda, cranberry juice. and white cranberry juice. Mm-hmm. It is so delicious. It is. Wow. It is. It has got serious, severe drinkability. <laughs> it is a very easy drink oh, to yeah. drink. All right. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is, it is, it is. All right. So if you've been with us since the beginning of season three, you know we've changed things up. We like to keep you guys on your toes a little. So random fact number one of the day. All right. In New Orleans, there is a radio station for the blind. It is run by volunteers. And every day the... They read the local newspaper, best-selling books, grocery ads, stories for kids, mysteries, the Wall Street Journal, young adult novels. That's kind of cool. So I did a little bit of research into this. because I That thought, would actually make a really good story, too. I thought this was really, like, yeah, I think it would. So I did a little bit of research into it. It's not the only radio station for the blind. There, There's, like... Not a ton of them, but there there's a handful of radio stations that, is such a cool that idea. do this for the visually impaired. And the fact that it's run by volunteers is phenomenal. I know, right? Which maybe that means there's no commercials. Um, yeah, I don't know, but I just thought that was really amazing and it is. Yeah. All right. Well, do you know do you know who created the Rubik's Cube? Um Edwin Rubik. Erno Rubik. Hey, I was close. You were very close. It was more than I knew before this little tiny. It's okay. I made it up. Back to it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> well, then you're going to have to give me your drink. That's the fine for hating me. Give me All your right. Drink. Erno Rubik. He's the creator of the Rubik's Cube. After creating it, it took him an entire month to solve it. So, I don't know if I've mentioned this in the past on here. Yes. But Isabel's boyfriend yes. is colorblind. Yes. We've talked about him and his ability to solve things that make my brain go, what the fuck just happened here? He collects Rubik's Cubes. He has like two dozen different Rubik's Cubes. And yes, he can solve them. Yeah. So, if any of our listeners 
find an unusual, extremely unusual Rubik's Cube and feel the need to send it to us, we will pass it on to him. Yes, he would absolutely adore that, especially if it came from other parts of the world. The world record, 4.22 seconds. Oh, Jesus. Took Erno a month. Wow. It would take me a lifetime, <laughs> and it's still not going to happen. I need a screwdriver, a pair yeah. of tweezers, and some super glue. Nope. Nope, nope. I need some colored markers because I'm just going to recolor. Well, I'm just going to peel them off and glue them back on. Ooh, I like it. Love that idea. That was probably much more simpler than coloring. Yeah. Because right. everybody knows I can't color inside the lines. Uh, why would you? That's boring. I know. It is. All right. You have a tidbit for us? Oh, I have lots of tidbits. Oh, good. Ohio. Yes. No, Ohio is really well known for its Amish yeah. population. Um, I believe that is where we found that really cool little yes. Amish tea store yes. and spice shop. With, uh, no, that was in Kentucky. Mm. No, no, you're right. You're right, because we've been to a couple of them. The, yes. That was the last one. Yes. I believe that was tea on our way back from spices. Pennsylvania. It yes. was in Ohio. The spice and something shack. Yes, because I still follow them on Facebook. I do, too. She's amazing. Yes, She's I love a, her. Okay. Um, yeah, because the first one we found was in Kentucky, and they had that amazing cider mm-hmm. that came out of those uh, mus- the grapes. Muscadine. Muscadine grapes. Yes. Okay. So we're going to go to Ohio. We're going to talk about some Amish people. Yes. The Trumbull County Sheriff's Department in Ohio came across two Amish men operating a horse and buggy while driving. Let me restart that. The tri- <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, my God. Can I read you something real quick? Absolutely. I'm still trying to compose my thoughts over here with Amish people. <laughs> now, yes, this is from Duffy. Okay. Okay. Yes, we love Duffy Brown. Duffy Brown is an author. Read her stuff. Uh, she does cozy mysteries, and they're amazing, and she is fantastic. Oh, and God, she gives. Yes. She has a little consignment shop too. Uh, she's we like, are so off track today. I know, but you know what? Duffy gives great hugs. She's an amazing woman. I mean, she is a freaking amazing woman. All right, ready? Okay. Young witch. Eye of newt, belladonna, hair of bat, arsenic, tail of werewolf, blood of a virgin. Witch 50 plus. Oh, crap. Forgot the ingredients. Oh, yeah. Vodka, Xanax, ginkgo biloba, calcium, estrogen, (laughs) chocolate, (laughs) coffee, and the hair of Sam Elliott. (laughs) (laughs) Yup. Thank you, Duffy Brown. A little humor for our day. What what series does she write again? Oh, she has several of them. The Cozy Consignment series or something? She has a consignment series, but she also has one that's called The Bike Path. Ooh, okay. Uh, and that takes place on Mackinac Island. I've read some of her stuff. It's really easy to read. It's, yes. It's just, it's fun. They're easy, they're fun, they make you think, they make you laugh. You'll yeah. fall in love with the characters. And Duffy is just an amazing woman. Oh herself. my gosh. She works at, I think it's called the Silver Fox consignment shop. Yeah, so any of our Ohio listeners, check out the Silver Fox. It's in Cincinnati. All right. Now that we've given her, like, her own little <laughs> advertisement, <laughs> can we go back to Ohio? <laughs> we were just in we Ohio. Never That's left. where Cincinnati is. We never left. That's right. That's right. Might have been our first turnaround. It was a roundabout. Roundabout. See, this is me and words. They don't mix. <laughs> Have another drink. The Trumbull County Sheriff's Department in Ohio came across two Amish men operating a horse and buggy while drinking oh. a 12-pack of Michelob Ultra and blasting music from a stereo. 
on a routine traffic stop. Deputy, <laughs> Deputy Eric Hermsdorfer encountered the men on September 15th when he signaled that the two men of faith needed to pull over just before one in the morning. Oh. But when Deputy Hermsdorfer requested that they stop their buggy on Donnelly and Mahan Parker Roads in North Bloomfield, the unidentified men jumped off the buggy, ran into the woods. The horse, meanwhile, continued to trot down the road until the police stopped it. After authorities inspected the buggy and found several open bottles of alcohol beside the sound system and the 12-pack, the vehicle was towed. How exactly do you tow an Amish buggy? I'm guessing a flatbed trailer, and you have to put the horses in something different. While the Amish community as a whole does not forbid its members from drinking alcohol, many of their sects do. It's unclear which sect these riders were a part of, although their escape might indicate where they came from. As it stands, the horse was handed off to a local farmer for safekeeping. The two Amish men who ran off are still in the wind, and Chief Deputy Bragovich urges them to come forward, face the music, and retrieve their buggy. But as of yet, no one has done so. Wow. Those wild Amish men. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You ready? Absolutely. We're going to Iowa. Okay. Love Um, Iowa. Yeah. Des Moines, Iowa. Okay. Des Moines City Council. Yes. Voted. This just happened at the end of October. Okay. Yes. To temporarily suspend the liquor license of a downtown club. Okay. After a lewd performance. How lewd is lewd? The city says last month a performance at Shags on Court Avenue turned X-rated and violated Iowa's indecent exposure law. A video of the incident was widely circulated on social media, so oh, yeah, you can probably Did you find check it. That out? I didn't. Dang it. All city council members voted in favor of a two-week liquor license suspension, suspension, I'm turning into you, and a $1,000 fine, although it was unclear when the suspension would begin. Inquiring minds both want to know and are absolutely terrified to know. Oh, I do want to know. Well, I do want to know. You can, you can find it. The strawberry spritzer's amazing. It is just fucking amazing. All right. Would you like a story? I love a story. Okay. You know I struggled. I know you did. Okay. But I have faith in you. Good. This story is called A Life Behind Bars. What kind of bar? (laughs) Not the kind of bar you're thinking. Damn it. We're going to start in Paris. Petty. Okay. Every decade or so, the city of Paris drains the Canal St. Martin. Oh. The almost three-mile-long waterway was originally constructed to keep Paris clean and to supply fresh water to a city plagued by cholera and dysentery. But for the two centuries of the canal's existence, it has often served a different, in fact, kind of the opposite function. It has become an essentially a dumping ground, a big liquid trash can. Gross. The water recedes and the stuff kicked or heaved or dropped into the canal over the preceding nights is revealed. Here's my question. When you drain the water from the canal, where do you put it? That's a damn good question. Yeah. Where does it go? Especially if it's disgusting. No, they didn't say the water was disgusting. The thing is, if you think about what kind of stuff people are probably throwing Uh, in there. Same. That was my question. When the canal was emptied in 2016, large crowds gathered on footbridges and along the paths to watch the cleaning crews go through the mud and clear out the junk. And there was a lot of it. Okay. 
mattresses, suitcases, street signs, traffic cones, a washer and dryer, a tailor's mannequin, tables and chairs. Who throws away this shit, honestly? Well, getting a divorce. I don't want the shit, but she ain't getting it either. Throwing it in the canal. She wants it, she can go retrieve it. Bathtubs. Were they trying to fill them? Toilets. It wouldn't flush. Old radios. Personal computers. They pulled out a number of vehicles. None of them were designed to travel on water. What the hell is wrong with people? There were baby strollers, shopping carts, a wheelchair, and several mopeds. I hope the wheelchairs were empty when they went in. <laughs> I'm so too. But the most plentiful items in the canal other than wine bottles and mobile phones were bicycles. Where are we at again? Per- Petty. Petty. Europe does have a lot of of um, bicycles. Why are we throwing them in the canal? Because people are assholes. That is a worldwide phenomenon. In 2007, Paris launched a bike share scheme. They called it Vlib, in which 14,500 rental bicycles were introduced across the city. Okay. Now, as the waters were drained off the canal, the skeletal forms of dozens of Vlib cruisers could be seen half buried in the sludge on the canal floor. There were scores of other bikes, too, of various makes and models and vintages, some of which had been mutilated before they were sent to their watery grave. Oh. There were bikes with bent and twisted wheels. There were some that had no wheels at all. There were some bikes whose wheels and frames were intact, but handlebars were missing. Kind of like headless corpses. I threw that in. Now, some of the bikes may have ended up there by accident. There's a lot of scenarios that could result in the unintentional depositing of a bicycle in a body of water. Really? A cyclist lost in the dark, perhaps? Or maybe they're disoriented by the fog and they steer their bike off and ended up in the water? I don't know, like, if there's, like, a wall that goes along the canals. I don't know. Maybe the drunk cyclists fell from bridges. Thieves fleeing the police by bicycle swerve into the river. Now, the luckier victims manage to pull themselves out and sometimes... They get their bicycles, too, and they get back on dry land and move on. But not all of these incidents can end on a positive note. Now, if you do a scan of newspaper archives, you turn up a couple grisly stories with some very lurid headlines. Of course. Boy drowns in the canal, found with his bicycle. Woman cyclist drowned. She was blown over the wall of the bridge. Man rode into the canal during a blackout. He drowned while cycling to work. Lots of headlines. And some despondent souls have actually deliberately peddled into the waters. In 2016, a 38-year-old woman left a suicide note in her apartment. She then went to a nearby state park. She rode into a lake on a bone bike. They retrieved the bike with her body still attached a week later. Oh, that's sad. My gosh. That is sad. Not the way I would commit suicide, but... My way is not for everyone. As for the bikes that are in the Canal St. Martin, it seems safe to assume that most of them wound up there not by accident. I would assume not. Most of them are probably not there because of tragic circumstances. But we also have to note that not all bikes that are disposed of go into the watery grave. It seems that in Paris, some people are very creative about getting rid of their bikes. Some of them dangle their bikes from fences. Some of them put them on top of traffic lights and bus shelters. Why? (laughs) I don't know. I'm just telling the story. Some of them stick them up in high tree branches to roost. Maybe like a nesting pterodactyl. A pterodactyl, a metal pterodactyl. I'm just reporting the story. Clearly for many, it's fun. It's a ritual. 
like a rite of passage, perhaps. But for others, it's, an, it's simply an epidemic. An English man who grew up in Peterborough, Campbellshire, recalled that in the six, 1960s, the local boys would steal bicycles and go joyriding. And when their escapades would end, they would do the ritual dumping of the bikes in the river. They actually discovered this by accident when a boat snagged on what they called an underwater mountain of bicycles. In Amsterdam, drowned bikes, and I'd like to know why are we calling them drowned? Drowned bikes were at one time heaped so high in the 60s canal, in the city's canals, that they scraped the underside of flat bottom barges. The solution that, that the city came up with was called Vietz and Visan, or bicycle fishing. The job, taken on by freelance scavengers, would travel the canals in rowboats. They would use some hooked poles to grab the bikes, pull them up, and sell them for scrap. In the 1960s, however, Amsterdam's water agency decided that they needed to take responsibility for bicycle fishing. So, if you're in Amsterdam these days, you can watch groups of municipal workers crawling for the drowned bikes on boats that are equipped with cranes, attached to hydraulic claw grapples. And seriously, I think freelance scavengers kept it a little simpler and much easier. Yeah. But what do I know? The problem is not quite as severe as it once was, but bike fishers still pull out 15,000 bicycles from the 165 canals each year. That's 41 bicycles a day. I don't understand. I'm so confused right now. <laughs> I'm not telling you the why, I'm just telling you the how. I understand, but I'm just okay. so confused. It's a unique Amsterdam spectacle that never fails to draw a crowd. The big metal claw rising out of the water with water dripping off of it. And a haul of wheels and frames and handlebar baskets. The bikes are dropped into gar garbage barges and then they're transported to scrapyards for recycling. In Amsterdam, and it's in Paris, no one is quite certain why or how so many bicycles wind up in the water. Now, city officials kind of attribute the problem, sort of, to vandalism and theft. The law of nature, if you will. What happens when a bicycle is scrapped and recycled? The bicycle pulled from the canal, goes to the scrapyard, gets recycled into, oh, maybe a can of beer. The contents are guzzled by an Amsterdammer who, leaving home at night, spots a bicycle and is suddenly seized by an impulse to hurl it into the canal. <laughs> it hopes that they will make him another can of beer. The circle of life goes round and round. But <clears throat> this isn't just a Dutch phenomenon. In 2014, the Tokyo Parks Department became aware that non-native fish have been introduced into the large pond that sits in the center of Inokirisha Park. The fish, which were thought to have been put in the waters by former owners, were causing some environmental damage. So, officials decided to drain the pond and remove the fish. But when the pond was emptied, another kind of invasive species was found. Dozens of bicycles. <laughs> oh my god. Why are people, why, why do people, oh my god, okay, <laughs> all right. The discovery took many in Tokyo by surprise. Now, sanitation workers had long complained about the abandoning of unwanted bikes in streets and alleyways and parking lots, but the dumping of bicycles in, in bodies of water? That was a largely unknown or hidden custom. So we have to ask ourselves, how many more bicycles are covered by the world's waters? Concealed by ponds, lakes canals. A lot, it is reasonable to surmise. And the numbers appear to grow as bicycle sharing increases. 
There's a bike share company that totally stopped doing business in Rome because too many of its bicycles were thrown into the Tiber River. The same problem has been reported in Melbourne, Hong Kong, San Diego, Seattle, in Malmo, in Sweden, and many other places around the world. But the most dramatic reports of bicycle dumping and dredging have come from China. In 2016 and 2017, the two largest bike sharing companies in the world, Ofo and Mobike, salvaged thousands of their dockless rental bikes from rivers in southern China. The dockless bike share industry is dominated by tech companies that have flooded the streets and sidewalks with bikes. And most dockless systems are app-based and they offer a trade-off. The ease of transportation at the, at the expense of privacy. The apps collect your personal data. The bikes use GPS chips to transmit your location. The bicycle basically just spies upon the rider. It's quite a plot twist for the machine that once upon a time, in the days of the late 19th century, there was a bicycle boom and it promised an unimaginable kind of personal freedom when they first came out. Now, there are many options instead of the watery grave. Yes, thank you. We yes, there are. Recycle, reduce, and reuse. Scrapyards are the beginning for a brand new life for the old, used up, unwanted, unloved. Abandoned bicycle. <laughs> Jeez. Oh my god. The metal is lovingly cleaned and sorted and heated and purified. And voila, a scrapped bicycle frame may be reborn as a beverage can, a bed frame, a bridge. Both recycled steel and aluminum are used in the construction of park benches, houses, apartment buildings. They're also used in the building of airplanes and automobiles, and indeed, more bicycles. Metal recycling produces some environmentally damaging waste, but some of this byproduct can also be recycled and put to use. The slag that results from aluminum recycling is sometimes utilized as a filler in asphalt, sometimes in concrete. So, food for thought. The next time you ride your bicycle, just maybe, just maybe the road that you are riding on, the road itself is sort of a bicycle graveyard. And maybe you're just rolling your wheels across a landscape made of reconstituted bones. <laughs> a life behind bars. <laughs> Alrighty then. <clears throat> and you thought the world problems were trivial. Hmm. I do wish that... Have you ever seen any kind of documentaries about towns in Europe? They are set up to be much more bicycle friendly. And alternate transportation friendly. And I really wish that the United States would get more on board with that. Well, I think a lot of countries around the world are much more family friendly. And Americans tend to be more independent and not live with their family. Where We need more, we need more of this, we need more room, we need more land, we need bigger yes. houses. Whereas I think in a lot of your other countries that isn't so. Yeah. And if you don't. If you're not utilizing all that land and stuff like Americans do, then I think you have the room to make things more bicycle friendly. Yeah, that's, um, I just, I admire a lot of what oh, hell yeah. some of these other countries oh, God, are yeah. doing. And I really wish that Americans would take after some of them. Yeah, yeah. I've never thrown my bike into a body of water. Neither have I. Of course, our father brought us up to be really super fucking frugal. For one thing. So you heard of magnet fishing? Yeah. 
You need a big magnet for that. You do. They actually <laughs> use really specialized magnets, but I think that would be really interesting to do sometime. Mm-hmm. It might be really, really like heartbreaking, though, the shit that you would pull out. I think anytime you do something like that, it could have the potential to be heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Yep, just a fun thing I came across and thought I needed to share. That was pretty fun. It's definitely different. Yeah, that is very cool. I like that story. Good job. Thanks. All right. Well, we are so glad that you were here with us. Oh, yeah. PSA of the day, please don't throw your bicycle into the water. Good PSA. I like it. Every- Sit down and have a good rum strawberry spritzer with us. Yeah. Yeah. And if you live in an area that's really bike friendly, whether it's the U.S. or whether you live in another country, um, we'd love to hear about your experiences and your thoughts and maybe tips on what we could do. To be more alternate transportation friendly ourselves. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah. All right. Well, have a lovely day, everyone. And as always, stay mischievous. We love you. Bye. Bye. We here at Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know really appreciate the time you spent with us today. Hopefully you learned something unusual today. You can find us on Facebook at Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know or at tmsidntk at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at tmsidntk, which are the initials for the title. Suggestions, ideas, comments, corrections, send them our way. We take them all. If you enjoyed your short stop with us, please feel free to follow the podcast. Leave us a rating and review. That lets us know how we're doing and helps others to find us. This podcast is hosted by a couple of sisters who research, write, and edit their own stories. All other editing and production is done by Mary Swartz, and the original artwork was created by Hannah Green. Daisy, Daisy, give me your answer, do. I'm half crazy, all for the love of you. Won't be a stylish marriage I can't afford a carriage But you'll look sweet Upon the seat Of a bicycle built for two Sweet.